Good morning, church family. It's good to be here with you again to deliver God's message for us this morning. Uh, for those that are new, my name is Jeff Fisher, and I'm the pastoral intern here at Hawaii Kai Church, which means I'm training to be a pastor. And again, I always uh, like to take this opportunity to thank you, church family, for all the support you've been giving me as I learn what it means and what it takes to be a shepherd of God's people. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, please open them to Job chapter 1. And specifically, we'll be looking at Job chapter 1, verses 6 to 22. Last time I was in the pulpit, I preached from uh, verses 1 to 5. And today we're going through the remainder of the chapter. And if you need a Bible, there should be one underneath the seat in front of you. And the passage we're looking at can be found on page 417. Job chapter 1, verses 6 to 22 is our passage this morning. But before continuing, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please speak to your people through your servant this morning. Help me to preach so that those you have called your own can see you more clearly. And I pray, Lord, that we would know you more, and that in turn it would cause our love and our worship of you to increase. Fill the hearts of all those that are going through trials these days. Show them that you are over everything and that you have not left them, Father. God, is the most secure place we can be during our trials, which is in your presence and in your abiding and loving arms. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Job chapter 1, and I will begin with verse 6 and read all the way down to verse 22. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servant with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another And said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. 
While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. We are in the last days of the first month of 2024. Usually there's always this great excitement for what lies ahead at the beginning of each new year. A new baby coming into the family, maybe a graduation on the horizon, perhaps starting a new business venture. All this excitement is good, and no doubt there's a place for being optimistic about the future. But if we're real, if we're being honest about life, most likely there's going to be hardships that some of us will have to face in the months ahead. Some of you are facing them already. And some of you have been suffering for quite some time, perhaps years. In our text this morning, we read of a man that experiences tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And this is just the beginning of his suffering. Two attacks, two natural disasters, and many, many, many deaths reported to him in just minutes. But his response is remarkably striking because his reaction to all of it, when it's all said and done, is worship. And the question I have after reading this, and the question I would like us to have in mind throughout this sermon is, how in the world does Job come out of this extreme trial worshiping the Lord? How does Job come through such a painstaking experience praising God? Because when you think about it, what are the more typical responses to hardship, trials, and suffering? If you're anything like me, there might be discouragement, gloominess, complaining, complaining to God, complaining to others, anger, hopelessness, or perhaps even a complete shutdown. And maybe even a mixture of two or more of these. Yet with Job, there's this response of worship. And outside of Jesus Christ's suffering, it's in response to one of the most extreme trials someone has ever faced. After great loss, Job blesses the name of the Lord, meaning he praises the Lord for all that he is. 
And so how, how is it that Job gets to this point where he can do just that? First and foremost, it's because there really is a sovereign God that is in control of everything. And he is upholding Job. And later, we'll see how Job is absolutely convinced of this and rests on God. Look with me again at verses 6 to 7. It says this, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. From the very first line of our passage, God shows himself to be completely sovereign. All of creation is under his control, even those greater than ourselves. Here we have some of the most powerful creatures showing themselves to be under his authority. These sons of God, these angels, we know to be mighty. According to what the scriptures say, they can take out an entire city on their own or destroy an army of 185,000 men in a single night. Yet despite all their strength, they know they answer to a God of infinite power. And on the exact day they're to present themselves before God, they come. There isn't a question raised. There isn't any disobedience. Every single one of them is there. The Lord is over them all, and they must answer to him. And the most powerful of all God's creatures comes in with them. He is the Lord's great enemy. His very name means adversary. He was pivotal in bringing sin into the world when he deceived Adam and Eve. And he still works within the hearts of men to cause evil in this world. He is completely against the Lord and hates everything about God. Yet, he must answer to him. There's no getting around it because the Lord is in complete control. There's no one and nothing that is above our God. And we see God's sovereignty over his enemy again in verse 8. It says this, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have, the, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Now, though Satan must reply to his authority, this time his answer includes slander against God and against Job. You know, you may be God, but you are not worthy in and of yourself to receive honor and glory. Do you really think that your beauty and your excellence and your goodness are praised because of who you are? 
It is because of what you do and what you give to your people, not you. That is the reason. That is the real reason they come with their worship. Take away your provision, your protection, and your gifts, and you will see they will stop honoring you. I know you are not a great God in and of yourself. And as for Job, his ultimate priority and greatest love in his life isn't really you. It is himself. He may worship you, but it is only because of what you are doing for him. Take it away. Take it all away and see what happens. You aren't all that great in his heart. Your greatness is limited by what you provide him and how you protect him. He doesn't love you. And although these are some very bold words from a mere creature to Almighty God, does this in any way mean that the Lord is no longer in control? That Satan no, uh, now has the upper hand or that the Lord has folded? No, it is quite the contrary. Verse 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The Lord isn't afraid of Satan or his slander. There isn't an ounce of fear or doubt in his response. Instead, he's jealous for his glory. He knows that he is the greatest being in the universe and that he is most excellent in and of himself. He knows it's not his gifts, but him that is glorious. And he's about to prove it with the man that he knows fears him. The one that loves him so much that he has made his God his greatest priority and who he has committed himself to obeying. This is Job. And the Lord has just given his great enemy the ability to do just as he pleases with everything that Job has. But notice that the Lord is still in control. He's in control of the adversary. Satan is unable to do anything to Job. It is only by the Lord's permission that he is able to go after what Job has. All that he has is in your hand. And then it comes into view that the Lord is and will be in control of his servant Job. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. How can Job make it through such extreme testing? It isn't because Job is mighty. He testifies that he is nothing but the dust of the earth. No, it's because God is in control of his man. He is the author of Job's faith, and he will help Job to come through this trial worshiping. Because everything in creation, everything is under his sovereignty. Even those facing the greatest, the greatest of hardships. That includes you, brothers and sisters. I know in a congregation this size that um, some of you are going through some very hard trials. 
You might be fighting disease, lost your job, having marital discord, battling against sin, or are near death. Please know, please know that the Lord has not changed. He's still in control. He's completely sovereign over you. He's sovereign over your situation. And he's even sovereign over his great enemy. Know that your God is the author of your faith and that he is authoring your life with him. If you're his, then you can trust him and know that he is going to see you through your own hardships. Even when we meet the greatest of trials, death itself. We know this because Christ himself died. He was crucified on that cross, but Christ did not remain dead. Instead, he was raised from the grave on the third day. And Christ took our sin and the punishment we deserve onto himself so that we would not taste death, but instead made it so that we would be with him forever, eternally. And if he has made sure to see you through our greatest of trials, death itself, you can be assured that he will see you through all those that come beforehand. The Lord is so magnificent. He used the most horrific hardship that someone has ever faced, the cross of Jesus Christ, and did the greatest of good. He made salvation from sin available to everyone that believes in him. And the Lord used Job's trial to bring about good in his life. He comes out of it knowing the Lord can do all things and exclaims, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And the Lord uses our own trials to bring about his good in our hearts and lives as well. And the cross is our reminder of that, brothers and sisters. And continue on and read of Job's great trial in verses 13 to 19. It says this, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. How is it that Job experiences loss after loss after loss, yet comes out praising God? Satan touched everything he had, it's all gone. Yet Job worships. I mean, this suffering is 
completely unimaginable. Sometimes our hardships come in waves. I remember soon after graduating uh, from college, loved ones passing away one by one, year after year. First it was my grandpa, then my grandma, then my aunt, then my grandma, other grandma, and finally um, my uncle. Funerals for five family members in five years. It seemed like we were grieving all the time. Wave after wave, our family was faced with the pain of losing someone we loved. Yet all the loss that my family and I experienced over a five-year span, Job is experiencing in a matter of moments. His waves are coming by the minute. Other times our suffering comes completely unexpected. During my second semester in seminary, a friend I had made went completely MIA, and I was, uh, he was nowhere to be found. I bump into him often, but then at one point during the semester, I didn't see him for maybe like three or four weeks. And so I texted him. I said, hey, Ali, I haven't seen you in a while. How's it going? And there's no answer. A little time goes by, and so I text him again. Hey, bro, are you okay? No answer. Then one night at dinner, I finally received a message from him. It said this, Jeff, three weeks ago, my father was murdered back in Nigeria by violent Muslim extremists. They kidnapped and held him hostage, and they killed him because of his faith in Christ. I've been deeply sad ever since I received the news, and I haven't been out of my room. I'm seeking the Lord in the midst of all this pain. Well, I was completely shocked after reading that, and I couldn't even concentrate on the conversation the other guys were having at the dinner table. And the same news was traumatizing for Ollie, so much to the point that he couldn't even leave his room. Job receives completely unexpected news like this, but it's not isolated. It's coming in wave after wave after wave, one minute after another. The tragedies strike quick. They come out of nowhere. And they are actually quite remarkable, almost unbelievable. Both the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans, they aren't even Job's next-door neighbors. The Sabaeans came from the far south and the Chaldeans from the far north. And the fire of God from heaven must be supernatural for it to take out all of Job's 7,000 sheep. And then for a house to cave in by having its four corners struck, means some kind of freak cyclone hit it. Nothing of Job's is left untouched. All that he has is taken away. In less than a day, he loses his business, his livelihood, his worldly and earthly comforts, and those that he loves so, so deeply. The greatest man in the East is now one of the poorest. 500 oxen, gone. 500 donkeys, gone. 7,000 sheep, gone. 3,000 camels, gone. His servants, gone. And his 10 children, gone. There's no way for him to produce crops, 
no way for him to move cargo with his camels, no way to make clothing with his wool, no animals to sell for profit. And even if he still had all the animals, there are no servants to help him with his business. All of it is gone in a moment. In a moment. And worst of all, his children, those that he cared for, those that he brought offerings for regularly, those that brought great joy into his life are gone. It's one thing to lose a grandpa that has lived a pretty full life. It is another thing to lose a child, to no longer see the one who is supposed to live after you. How many of us know someone that has lost a child? You know then how crushing it can be. Job loses all 10 of them in a single day. Not just one of them, or five, but 10. Every single one of them. To have them all taken away in a moment is unfathomable. There are 10 gravestones to arrange for. But now in his poverty, Job can't even give them a proper burial. My losses may have been here. Our losses may be here. But Job's is way up here. And remarkably, he doesn't resort to our usual responses to painful experiences. He could have complained. He could have started asking how the Lord could have taken away his children or why all of them had to be taken away especially since he had been making every effort to see that they were right with the Lord, but he never goes that route. Satan may have questioned God, but Job doesn't. Or he could have been consumed with taking up arms and trying to put an army together to get back his property from the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans. He could have been obsessed with revenge, but again, Job is following the Lord and his way for him. This test could have easily been a turning point for Job, the exact time in which he started to go his own way, and the point where he took everything into his own hands. Look at what I've done for you, Lord. I've been sacrificing to you and fearing you and doing all that is right in your eyes only to have this happen. That's it. I'm out. But that isn't the case for Job. Instead of turning away, he draws near to the Lord. And he praises God for all that he is. And so again, how is it that Job gets to the point where he can do that? Verses 20 to 22. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In the aftermath of all this tragedy, all this pain and all this shock, Job can praise the Lord because he knows his God. 
There is this relationship and this trust he has with the one that is above all. He is the Lord's, and the Lord is his. That is how he's able to bless the Lord's name. The Lord himself is what grounds him. He worships because he knows his God is there, and he knows that his God is in control. He knows that the Lord is the one that he can take his sorrow to. And so he gets up, he tears his robe, and he shaves his head. But in the midst of his grief, he worships. He acknowledges the Lord is sovereign over everything. He declares with his own lips what was true in the heavenly scene when the sons of God and Satan himself presented themselves before the Lord, that the Lord is in control. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. God is sovereign over all his creation and he is governing my life. He knows when it's best to give and he knows when it's best to take away because God is sovereign. Job doesn't love, just love God because of what he gives. He doesn't worship the Lord because of his estate. And he doesn't praise God because of his family. At this point, he has lost them all, but he still blesses the Lord because he still has something, or I should say that he still has someone. He still has the Lord. He still has the one that he fears. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Three times Job uses the Lord's name. How is it that we can make it through a trial? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Job knows that he is still there. He still has the one who is his ultimate priority and his greatest prize. He still has the one he loves and the one he desires to obey. He still has the one that fills his heart, not just with good things, but pure goodness. God himself. The Lord is that glorious to Job that he could lose it all and still worship because he hasn't lost it all. He still has everything that matters. He still has the Lord. Brothers and sisters, how can we go through our trials no matter how extreme they may be? We must know our God and we must have our God. We must know that he is in control. We must know that we have the greatest being in the universe overseeing every aspect and moment of our lives. And we must know that he has us. If the Lord is ours and we are his, then he can never be taken away. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. The immovable God is there and he possesses us. He redeemed us with the costly blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Why would he let us go and not see us through our trials when he gave what was so precious to him, the blood of his son, to save us from sin and eternal death? We are his. 
He is the author of our faith and our lives. But he must be our greatest possession to get to the point where we worship him no matter what. We praise him for who he is and who he is to us and who he is for us. So let's do so now and let's do so forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us how you see us through the most difficult of times. It's truly you that brings us in through and out of them. Lord, please forgive us for not coming to you whenever we face our own severe trials. We think we can get through them ourselves and by our own means, but in reality, we're completely incapable. Help these hearts to turn only to you when this testing comes our way. Lord, you will see us through our wanderings on this earth, and we know that you'll take us back to our heavenly home. Please continue to bless all of us with the knowledge of you, that you are with us, and may our hearts be at rest in any trial, knowing that you are. I pray all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.